0: Amen. Thank you for that. Well, we're going to do something I've never done before, and I hope it goes well. And so, uh, as you came in this evening, you got a card, and on it, uh, I'd ask you to write down one thing that the Lord has changed, saved, or redeemed in your life. And uh, it's going to go with the message here. This is part of it. Uh, But this is our opening exercise, and we'll bring it back around here toward the end. But I want you to think about something that the Lord's done in your life, something that has changed, saved, or redeemed... And just go ahead and write it down and try not to make it too personal. Write down something that uh, you'd be comfortable having read aloud. And uh, so don't keep it, you know, if it's too personal, maybe not put that on this card. Uh, but I just want you to think about that. And it shouldn't take but a moment here. And uh, as you're writing that, we'll have the ushers come down. They're going to collect these uh, for me. And, uh, and so if you can write yours down and then uh, pass it to them, they're going to collect them from you. If you didn't get one, also, if you just and you would like to participate in this, just raise your hand real quick and... They'll get one to you, but something that the Lord has changed, saved, or redeemed in your life. So we'll go ahead and uh, pass these here to the middle, and uh, our ushers can collect those. And as they're collecting them, I want you to take your Bible and turn to Psalm 136, Psalm 136, and then we're going to stand together once you find that, Psalm 136, Pass in your cards and then uh, or your papers. This is like a pop quiz. You didn't know you were coming to get quiz tonight. You had the look of fear that the students have at the same time. (laughs) Psalm 136. Once you've found that, if you would, let's all stand together. We're going to read that here. Psalm 136. Probably maybe a familiar psalm, maybe not one that you read all the time, uh, but it's a good one. They're all good, right? Psalm 136. All right, let's read these verses together here. It says, O give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endureth forever. I'll give thanks unto the God of gods, for His mercy endureth forever. I'll give thanks to the Lord of lords, for His mercy endureth forever. To Him who alone doeth great wonders, for His mercy endureth forever. To Him that by wisdom made the heavens, for His mercy endureth forever. To Him that stretched out the earth above the waters, For his mercy endureth forever. To him that made great lights, for his mercy endureth forever. The sun to rule by day, for his mercy endureth forever. The moon and stars to rule by night, for his mercy endureth forever. To him that smote Egypt in their firstborn, for his mercy endureth forever. And brought out Israel from among them, for his mercy endureth forever. With a strong hand and with a stretched out arm, for his mercy endureth forever to him, which divided the Red Sea into parts for his mercy endureth forever and made Israel to pass through the midst of it for his mercy endureth forever, but overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea for his mercy endureth forever. To him, which led his people through the wilderness for his mercy endureth forever, to him, which smote great kings for his mercy endureth forever and slew famous kings for his mercy endureth forever. Sihon, king of the Amorites, for his mercy endureth forever. And Og, the king of Bashan, for his mercy endureth forever. And gave their land for an heritage, for his mercy endureth forever. Even an heritage unto Israel, his servant, for his mercy endureth forever. Who remembered us in our low estate, for his mercy endureth forever. And hath redeemed us from our enemies, for his mercy endureth forever. Who giveth food to all flesh, for his mercy endureth forever. I'll give thanks unto the God of heaven, for His mercy endureth forever. Thank you. You can be seated. Psalm 136, I think you'd agree with me, is a unique psalm in its structure. There's no other psalm that's like it. In each verse in this psalm, it begins with a statement, and then it's followed by a refrain that we find repeated in all 26 of the verses here in this psalm. And there's no other psalm that's constructed like it. It's a psalm that was designed to be sung in public worship. Uh, There's some speculation on how exactly that all happened, but it's very possible that what would happen is the priest would read the statement and then the choir or the congregation would sing back, for his mercy endureth forever. And Psalm 136, again, it was designed to be used in public worship and it's still ...used by the Jews today. In fact, it's sung in the morning service on the Sabbath. It's sung during festivals. It's sung during the Passover... And uh, in the Old Testament, we find this song being sung. We find this psalm being used. I think about one in particular. Uh, We find it there at the dedication of Solomon's temple in 2 Chronicles chapter number 5. And I just want to read two verses here from that account. We see where it, it came to pass as the trumpeters and the singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with trumpets and cymbals and instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying... For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. That then the house was filled with the cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. And You think about what an incredible sight that would have been to be there on the dedication of Solomon's temple, and uh, they're all there. They're singing with one voice, they're lifting up trumpets and cymbals and music, uh, singing, For his mercy endureth forever. And in that moment, God's presence comes and indwells that temple there. It would have been pretty incredible to see. And this psalm, it's referred to by the Jews as the great Hallel. Now, you might recognize that word Hallel from our English word. And that we get hallelujah. And I think about... Uh, that word "Hallelujah" it was known as the great Hallelujah. It's a great psalm of praise. A great uh, 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 its purpose was to praise the Lord, to praise Jehovah, the one true God, the God of Israel. In fact, uh, we see this this psalm sung several times in the Old Testament. But the unique thing is that every time. We find this psalm sung, uh, it's in a public praise or a public declaration. We find it in David's psalm of praise that we, that we find recorded in 1 Chronicles chapter 16. We see it in the assignments of the priest in David's day. We see it uh, the record of uh, Lord's victory over the Amorites uh, as they praised. We see it in the praise by Israel after the destruction uh, suffered in the Babylonian conquest. We see it in the dedication of uh, the temple in Ezra's day. And so uh, the purpose of this psalm is really no mystery, right? We read it and we we know what its purpose is. It's pretty clear uh, that that it's stated very clearly in the first and the last verses that it's to call people to thanking God. It's to get them to... Uh, put their eyes on the Lord and to thank Him and to remember His goodness and His mercy in their life. It was to uh, call God's people to thank God on the basis of His mercy that He had expressed towards them. And over and over again, we see the psalmist, he's recounting the mercy of God as he traces it throughout their history. And as far back as creation even, the psalmist is reminding God's people that the Lord's mercy is never-ending. It endureth forever. And because God's mercy endures forever, so ought the praise of his people. That's his point. You know, if there's one group of people that ought to have an occasion and a reason to praise the Lord, it ought to be God's people. It ought to be those who have, ex- have experienced God's uh, mercy displayed in their lives. You know, we're getting ready to, uh, you know, start one of our largest outreach events of the year, our Hallelujah Festival. You know, right after that, we're going to be entering into the Thanksgiving uh, season, one of my favorite seasons because of the food, right? And uh, things during this time, uh, you know, this is when things start to pick up, right? You think you're busy now. You just wait. Hold on a few months, right? You're going to get to that and you're going to be like, where did it go? Uh, But, you know, it's easy for us if we're not careful to get so busy that we fail to take the time to thank God, to recognize his place in our life and to think about the display of mercy in our lives that we've experienced. And so tonight I thought it'd be good just to take a few moments to to praise the Lord, to uh, give the Lord a hallelujah, to reflect on His mercy in our life. And so I want you to notice tonight uh, three aspects of this great hallelujah psalm that we find here in Psalm 136. And if you're taking notes, I've divided it into three parts. And I wrote down, first of all, we see the call. We see the call. To thanksgiving, And you look here in verse number uh, one uh, down through three, he says this. He says, oh, give thanks. I'm not going to read for his mercy and dearth forever. We'll save that here. I think you know that part. But it says, oh, give thanks unto the Lord of Lord, the, unto the Lord. Sorry. Verse number two, oh, give thanks unto the God of gods. Verse three, oh, give thanks to the Lord of Lords. And this psalm, it opens with a call to give thanks. Uh, give thanks to the Lord. And this psalmist is calling on God's people to praise the Lord. And notice that the grounds of praise can be found not just in the fact that his mercy endures forever. We're going to look into that a little bit deeper here in a moment. But it's on the grounds of who God is. It's on the basis of who he is to them. And so the psalmist, he draws our attention to three of the names of God, each revealing a different aspect of his character that he reminds us of who he is. And so number one, uh, he draws us to the fact that God is the self-existent one. He's the self-existent one. Look in verse number one. Look at the name they says there, unto the Lord. Now, if you have a King James Bible, which you all ought to have, uh, if the word Lord is all capitals, what's the Hebrew word for that? It's Jehovah, right? Uh, it says, Oh give thanks unto Jehovah. For he is good. He's calling us uh, to to notice that he's the self-existent one, right? Uh, Jehovah, he's the great I am. He's the one that's always been, the one that will always be. He's the eternal one. Not only that, but we see that his goodness uh, stands behind his uh, eternality. Meaning that because God is eternal and because God is good, we can be sure that his mercy is going to be fixed on us forever. That's what he's talking about. Not only do we see that he's the self-existent one, but we see in verse number two that he's the supreme one. He's the supreme one. He says, oh, give thanks unto the God of God and the gods. And that word uh, God there—it's the Hebrew word Elohim. Uh, meaning that uh, he is the one true God. It's speaking of his uniqueness, right? The God of gods. Not, uh, he's not recognizing that these false gods are actual, actual. He's saying that there's no other God like him. God is, is the one true God. He's the only God that there is. He's the God of gods and his goodness and his mercy, it's unique. He alone is the only one. That deserves our praise. But not only does he draw our attention to the self-existent one, the supreme one, but also that he's the sovereign one. In verse number three, he calls him the Lord of Lords. And that's that word Adonai. He's the Lord, uh, meaning that he reigns, he rules, he's the sovereign Lord. And because he's sovereign, he's working all things together for his own glory and for the good of those that love him and are the called according to his purpose. He does all things according to the counsel of his own own will. Why? Because he's Adonai. He's Lord. And so what is it that the psalmist is trying to get us to see? What's his point in in doing this and drawing out these three names? His point is this, is that the self-existent supreme sovereign of the universe has chosen to enter into a relationship with you and to display his mercy in your life. He wasn't bound by another to do so. He wasn't constrained by a superior being against his will. His mercy towards you is rooted and found in his goodness. That's what he's reminding them of then. If he were not supreme, we wouldn't worship him. If he were not good, we wouldn't trust him. Not only that, but because he's both supreme and good, we not only trust him, but we bow before him in praise and worship. See, because God is the eternal one, his goodness is eternal. Because God is the eternal one, his mercy is eternal. It has no end. His mercy endureth forever. His goodness and mercy, it has no end. It endures. It outlasts. It outlasts all of the problems in my life. It transcends the troubles that I face day to day. It continues on even when my life comes to an end, not because of anything that I've done, not because I've merited it, not because I've done anything to keep it, but because of who he is. He's calling us to worship God, to praise him because of who he is. But not only do we see the call here, but I want you to notice secondly, we see the cause for thanksgiving. We see the call, but then we see the cause for thanksgiving. We find this in verses 4 through 25. And and as we look at this, we know that, yes, God is good. Yes, God is self-existent. God is supreme. God is sovereign. That's his character. That's who he is. But what is it that should cause me to give him thanks? What is it that ought to drive me to praise Him, that should compel me to praise the Lord? And the cause we find here uh, is repeating in that phrase in those 26 verses, His mercy endureth forever. Why ought you to praise the Lord? Because His mercy endureth forever. You say, well, what does that mean? What does that, what does that mean? His mercy endureth forever. Well, the Hebrew word that we find there translated mercy is the Hebrew word said. I don't know if you remember, I think it was last year uh, when Pastor preached at the Southwide uh, Fellowship. The person who preached after him was Johnny Pope, and you ought to go uh, listen to that. He talks about Hasid, and it's hilarious. Um, but that word has said" is very important. It's a very important word. We find it 250 times in the Old Testament. You'll notice when you find it in other places, it's not always translated mercy. And that's because there's really no uh, direct translation from Hebrew into English uh, th- for a word that we could use to describe. And so in other places, it's tran- translated kindness. In some places, it's translated loving kindness. Some places, it's translated goodness. Here, it's translated mercy. And, and again, it's a word that we don't really have any comparable English word to, to put into something we would understand that would accurately describe what has is. And so there's multiple words that we use to describe it. Miles Coverdale, when he was translating the Bible, he came across this word and he saw it repeated over and over again throughout the Bible. And uh, he was trying to come up with how to describe it. And so he actually invented the word loving kindness to describe chesed. And it originates from a word that means to bow one's head toward another. And what it's important about is that it signifies a covenant relationship. It signifies a special relationship that God had with his people. And we can look at it in another place. And I think it'll be helpful to uh, help us understand more of what this word means. But we find it in Exodus chapter 34 and verses 6 and 7. And listen to what it says. It says, And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness, has said, and truth keeping mercy, has said, for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and fourth generation. And here, what's important is that we see that word has said, and it's connected to multiple things. It's connected to mercy. It's connected to grace. It's connected to forgiveness. And this idea of a continuing commitment that's extended not just to this present generation, but the future generations and those that would come after. And so the said that the psalmist is speaking of when he's talking about his mercy, as has said, endureth forever. It's a combination of grace and mercy beyond anything that we could ever comprehend. And I don't know about you, but if you think back on your life, I'm sure there are times where you've experienced grace and mercy beyond anything that you could ever comprehend. And we see it in a couple different areas we're going to look at here in depth. Uh, But he's talking about uh, another way to maybe describe this is that it's that mercy and love that God has for his people. It's not a romantic infatuation kind of love, but it's a faithful, it's a reliable, it's a loyal type of love. It's a combination of all the po- the positive attributes of God. His love, his faithfulness, his mercy, his kindness, his loyalty toward his people. Hasad, it's never merely an abstract feeling of goodwill, but it's always motivating to action. And so because of God's hasad, because of his mercy, he's done this, and that's exactly what the psalmist is saying. He's saying, look, here's something God did why? Because of his hasad. His love towards you, his mercy towards you, his grace towards you, his faithfulness towards you. And he's not just the God that has done these for people who lived many years ago. He's the God who displays his hassad for us. His, His mercy doesn't just endure for that one generation, but it endures forever, meaning that his mercy, it's available to you. His grace, it's available to you. His love, his faithfulness, it's available to you. It endures forever from generation to generation. And so the psalmist, he calls us to consider his mercy toward us. And we see his mercy in three main ways that he gives us. First of all, we see it in creation. In verses four through nine, look what it says. To him alone doeth great wonders. To him that by wisdom made the heavens. To him that stretched out the earth above the waters. To uh, to him that made great lights. To the uh, the sun to rule by day, the moon and the stars to rule uh, by night. Uh, he goes and he's listing out some of these acts of creation uh, that demonstrate God's mercy. God's has said uh, to us, and we're told uh, that the beauty of the universe and the world that we live in it gives testimony to the character. And the greatness of God. And he gives us this itemization of some of the wonders that God has done. Right, He made the heavens. He stretched out the earth above the waters. He made these great lights. The sun, the moon, the stars. What is he trying to get at? He's wanting us to bolster our confidence in God's love and mercy by observing his handiwork. Look at what God's done. Look at what God's made. Creation, it's an act of divine mercy. Creation is the witness. It's the result of his mercy that endures forever. We see his wisdom and power in creation. See the beauty that he's created. Consider the care and the details that that were taken. Look at his skill. Look at his craftsmanship. Observe the complexities of the world that we live in. Look at the intricacies. Listen, if God would go through such great lengths in creation, how much more would he do for those to whom he has has said? Mercy, love, faithfulness toward the sun, the moon, the stars all testify to his faithfulness. He continues to keep them in motion. He continues to cause them to shine. He's faithful to his creation. He's faithful to his people. That's what he's saying. His mercy endureth forever. We see his mercy in creation. But not only do we see it in creation, but we see it, letter B, in conversion. We see it in conversion. Look at uh, verses 10 down through 22. I'm not going to uh, go through and read all these. You can read them later. But it's the story of the exodus. He's recounting for them the event that took place in Exodus where God delivered his people out of bondage, out of Egypt. And in verses 10 through 16, he summarizes the Exodus story, God's deliverance of his people out of slavery. And then in verse 17 through 22, we see the conquest of the land. And the psalmist here, he's reminding them of how God set them free from slavery, brought them to, uh, into an inheritance of their own, defeated their enemies, and provided them with a land and rest. And this act of redemption demonstrated God's mercy, God's love for his people. The psalmist, he he, uh, recalls here the story of uh, Sihon and Og. And we read about that in Numbers chapter 21, where Israel wanted passage through the land of the Amorites. And they said, "Uh, no way, we're not going to let that happen. They refused. and, And then they tried to attack the Israelites. And what happened? Well, they were defeated. Israel ended up occupying all the cities ...of the Amorites, and they continue to march up the road. And then we see King Og, he comes out there, uh, King of Bashan, and he marches out with his whole army to do battle. And he, too, was totally defeated. Uh, What is he reminding us of? The fact that God has no trouble defeating his enemies. He has no trouble parting the Red Sea. And this story of exodus and conquest, saving his people from slavery, giving them a home, triumphing over their enemies, it all points to the work of Christ. It all points to his uh, death, his resurrection, and that he triumphed over sin, death, and hell. He redeemed us, and just as God demonstrated His mercy toward Israel by delivering them, so God demonstrates His steadfast love toward us through Christ and giving Jesus Christ to die on the cross for us. Isn't that what the Bible says? John three sixteen For God so what loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Romans 5.8, but God commendeth, he demonstrated, he proved his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This Old Testament picture of redemption is a, is a picture of, of our redemption that you and I have experienced in Christ. And hey, by the way, you think back on that story, you think back on the Exodus, God delivered them out of Egypt, but that was only after 400 years of captivity. That was only after their years under Egyptian bondage. You think they ever despaired? You think they ever doubted if God would deliver them? You think they ever wondered, hey, where's God at in all this? You think they ever wondered if they'd ever be set free? You know, it's easy to despair when we're in captivity. Whether it's to sickness, whether it's to trial, addiction, bitterness, it doesn't mean that God loves us any less. Even if that captivity was our own doing, self-inflicted. But the story of the Exodus is a reminder that God's mercy endures forever. It delivered the Israelites. He's able to deliver deliver us. His mercy endures both in captivity and in deliverance. And so not only do we see God's mercy demonstrated in creation and in conversion, but we see it in God's compassion. We see it in God's compassion. Look here at verse uh, number 23. It says, even in heritage unto Israel, his servant, verse 20, uh, sorry, verse number 23, who remembered us in our lowest state, verse 24, and hath redeemed us from our enemies, verse 25, who giveth food to all flesh. The psalmist is pointing to our weaknesses as the display of God's mercy in our life. He talks about when we were in lowest states, when, we when we were about to go down to our enemies when we had need of something, God provided it for us. God cares about our weaknesses. He remembers us in our lowest state. He, he knows our frailties. He's been merciful when we've cried out to him. He's been patient with us. He's walked with us through dark valleys. He sustained us when we were weak. He's comforted us in times of sorrow. He's compassionate toward us. And his compassion is evidence of his mercy in our lives. Has he not been faithful to you? Day after day, he's faithful. Day after day, he meets our needs. This is God's has said. This is his mercy that endures forever. This is his enduring love. This is his enduring mercy. And it doesn't, uh, God doesn't just give love and then revoke it. He says it endures forever. Day after day, God is faithful. You know what God did for Israel, he does for his people everywhere. All, all the time, in every situation. Why? Because his mercy endureth forever. That's what he's getting at. And so not only do we see this call to give thanks and the cause for giving thanks, but notice thirdly here, we see the conclusion. And look at what he says in verse 26. He says, oh, give thanks unto the God of heaven for his mercy endureth forever. Once again, he concludes by directing our focus to the one to whom we should be thanking. The one to whom we should be praising. And he calls him here something unique. He calls him the God of heaven. The psalmist doesn't close the song with reference only to Israel's blessings. Because God is the giver of gifts to all of his creation. And so this time the psalmist, he doesn't close the psalm with the name by which uh, represents Israel's special relationship Uh, with them. Uh, But instead, this title, the God of heaven, uh, it's a a title by which everyone could thank him. It's a title uh, by which uh, all people uh, could address him, the God of heaven. And what it is, it's an invitation to all of mankind to pay their tribute of praise to the supreme ruler of the universe. It's an invitation to those who have not yet entered into a relationship with him, uh, those who don't yet know him personally, to thank the one from whom all mercies and blessings flow. It's a call to all people, to all nations, to thank the almighty God who resides in heaven, who transcends all time and space, and who's orchestrating every detail and event of our life. Why? Because he's merciful. Because he's has said. Because he's good. Because he's loving. Because he's gracious. Not just to a select few, but to all people. This verse is for those who are looking for the one to whom they can express their thanks for the mercy and goodness that they've experienced in their life. You know, I think about our Hallelujah Festival and you think about the hundreds of people that will come onto our property on Monday and people to whom God has been merciful, people to whom God has been good, people to whom God has been gracious, whether or not they recognize it. You say, well, why do we have the the Hallelujah Festival? Why do we have the different outreaches that we do? Well, we have them in hopes of being able to connect and introduce them to the one who has been merciful in their life. The one who's been good to them, the one who's loved them, the one who's been merciful to them. Why? That they might acknowledge him and the mercy that he's shown to them and place their faith and trust in him for salvation. That's the point. God's mercy endures forever. It's always the same. It never changes. It's never exhausted. It's found in all of his works and all of his acts toward his creatures and creation. And it always will be. Why? For his mercy endureth forever. He's still rescuing. He's still delivering. He's still redeeming. Why? Because his mercy endureth forever. All of the things that God's done in all our life, all of the things that God's done for the children of Israel, he wants to do for those who will step foot on our property. Why? Because his mercy endureth forever. See, every verse in this psalm is designed to convince you of the fact that everything God has done, everything God is doing, everything God will do, it's an expression of his hasad, his love, his mercy, his grace toward you. And so no matter where you're going, what's going on this week, his mercy endures forever. No matter what your problems might be, his mercy endureth forever. No matter what trials you're going through, His mercy endureth forever. No matter what relational problems you're having, His mercy endureth forever. No matter how you feel about the things that are happening in your life, His mercy endureth forever. And once you understand this, the only possible response is to thank the Lord. Amen. To praise the Lord. To hallelujah, thank God for what He's done in your life. Got an, the usher who's got that card, that stack of cards. We got it right here. We're going to close here by doing our own Psalm 136. So hopefully this works out good. So we're going to do it like they did it in, uh, and hopefully I can read these. Oh man. We should have given grace for penmanship. We're going to do this like they would have done. We're, we're, I'll read the, the statement. And then you'll respond, for his mercy and earth forever. And so I'll start with just the first verse here. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. He saved my dad and it changed our family. God's changed my outlook at others. He's also changed the way I talk to others. He's changed the music that I listen to. He's changed the way I dress. He changed the direction I was going and turned me back to Him. He saved my great-grandmother from cancer, and she is still alive and saved. He's changed my prayer life. He gave me a ministry. He's helped me overcome being afraid of witnessing. He's changed my anger. He's given me joy without drugs, alcohol, or carnal music. He's changed my bitterness. He's changed the leadership of my family. He's changed my critical attitude. Every one of us have experienced God's mercy, God's grace in our life. Spurgeon said this, he said, If his goodness never ceases then our thankfulness should never be silent. Let's all stand together with our heads bowed and our eyes closed as the pianist comes to play a song of invitation. I just want to invite you, maybe take some time tonight and just thank the Lord. Thank God for the mercy that has said he's displayed in your life. And give him the worship and the praise that he deserves.